Welcome to the Life Tree Community Church Podcast. These are recorded during our weekly services in Robbinsville, New Jersey. Our prayer is that these messages help you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. And I did not get a page number. I'm sorry. Somebody yell out what page number that is. In those soft cover Bibles in your seats. Luke 15. Anybody? First one there? 797? 797. There you go. 797. It'll be on the screen as well <clears throat> if you'd like to follow along. Um, but uh, just to invite you to turn there um, uh, this morning. So uh, a few weeks ago, um, again in pursuit of the sun, we went down to Southeastern University uh, for a conference, Pastor Kevin, Pastor Andre, and myself. And uh, we got to go listen in to some leaders. I think I shared a little bit about that. And it was a great time. And uh, a lot of, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of different speakers were there, you know, big business leaders and things like that. The CEO of, I think, Delta Airlines and uh, uh, some other, you know, leadership gurus, things like that. The guy who started Charity, was it Charity Water? Yeah, I got from Charity Water. Anybody knows about Charity Water? Um, the Giving Keys. Anybody know about the Giving Keys? There's like these jewelry, the keys, they have words on them. Um, so all sorts of cool, interesting things. But one of the people that was there was uh, Damon John. Any Shark Tank fans? Anybody watch Shark Tank? All right, some of you. Some of you watch Shark Tank. Some of you know who Damon John is, but he's a, he's a cool entrepreneur on the, on the show Shark Tank. And, you know, he's made lots of money in the fashion industry and other businesses. And so, um, yeah, I'm a fan. We watch Shark Tank. I think it's a cool show. And so we were there. So I was, you know, a little starstruck. Not too much, but just a little bit. And so uh, I did buy his book. Uh, it's called Rise and Grind. And uh, got, got a chance to, uh, to have him sign the book. And not only did he sign my book, but I got a picture with him, personally. I had the bodyguard take the picture. That's it. <laughs> Telling you, it was the best experience of my life. So just so we're clear, that's me on the right, and that's him on the left. So it was awesome. The bodyguard took it. He was like, here you go. I was like, thank you so much. Seriously. I mean, I'm framing it. It's going on the wall in my office. Um, uh, you ever get starstruck? I mean, you get... You get starstruck, you know, you, you get really weird when you meet somebody famous, you know. You're like, hi, I like you. <laughs> they're like, okay, security, right? Like, they're just, they're just, there's a reason. I mean, his bodyguard, not small, not small at all. Like, when he was supposed to come in the room, like, the other speakers would be, like, waiting in the front row for them to call up. Like, his bodyguard was, like, at the door. And they were like introducing him and still not in. And then like, okay, here comes Damon John. And he goes, and he opens the door and he walks right in, right up on stage. Like it was like, he was, man, he was on the money. He was ready to go. Um, so it was just, it was a great experience. Like I said, that picture, I'll treasure it for the rest of my life. It was awesome. Um, uh, no joke. It really is Damon John alive. I'm not lying. Um, so <clears throat> the reality is that who we think people are affects how we treat them, right? Like, I judge people. Welcome to the club. Anybody? I judge people, okay? And, and, and that's how it works. People judge me, right? It's a game we play called How to Be Terrible Humans, right? That's what, that's what it is. Um, we all do it, right? We're nice to people we like. We're nice to people we like, and um, we're, we're awful to people that cut us off in traffic. We've never even met them before. And the kind of things we say about their mother. We, we vote, you know, we're all the people who vote for other candidates. 
based on what team they're rooting for, all sorts of stuff, right? So, all right, Joe's here. Congratulations to the Sixers. You won a game. All right, all right. Don't worry. Knicks will be in the playoffs in another two decades. It's okay. We'll get there. We're trusting our process. It's just a long process. Um, but, you know, based on what teams you root for, we can be, we can be really awful people if we, you know, if we don't like them or don't like who they root for, things like that. Um, when we like someone, you know, we're nice. When we don't, we're not. Uh, when we don't like someone, you know what we do, though? We avoid them. You avoid, are there any people that when you see, you just are like, right? Um, you, you know what you do when, you know when somebody's in the room and you're like, oh no. Like you look for the room and you look for somebody and you go, oh, okay. Um, and, and they know when you're avoiding them. People know when you're avoiding them. Did you know that? Do you know how I know that? Because you know when somebody's avoiding you. You walk in, you're like, I think they're avoiding me. Right? You ever have that feeling that I don't know what I did, but I'm fairly certain I did something. Because they're being weird with me. Like, you could go to a party, haven't seen them in a few weeks, you think there's nothing. Hey, how you doing? Nothing? Like, nothing. Right? Like, you can just tell. Um, like I said, it's a, it's a terrible game that we play. We play it with each other. And it's not new. It's not a new game. It's been played for centuries. Um, the Pharisees was this group in, uh, of religious elites, you know, really, of religious scholars who played this game. And they were really good at it. I mean, they were really, really good at this game. Um, they didn't like anybody who wasn't religiously perfect. You had to follow the rules to the letter of the law. I mean, they had religion down. They had a corner on the market. They knew how to play it better than you. And if you couldn't play it as good as them, they let you know it. Okay? Um, and so they called anybody who was, they would call them sinner, right? Anybody who was non-religious, who wasn't following the letter of the law perfectly. They actually had a phrase for them. They called them, um, Andrea, you'll like this. They called them people of the land. All right, people of the land. He's from Cleveland and, you know, the land. So sinners were people of the land. Um, to ha- and this is from their, well, you can do some research and find this out. To have your daughter, for a Pharisee, to have your daughter marry a, peop- a person of the land was like exposing them bound and helpless to a wild animal, to a lion of some sort. That's how they considered these people, right? When a man is one of the people of the land, this is what they would say, entrust no money to him, take no testimony from him, trust him with no secret, do not appoint him guardian over an orphan, do not make him custodian of charitable funds, and do not accompany him on a journey. Do not be their guest, have no business dealings with them. Stay away from sinners. They actually said this. This would actually have been their phrase. There is joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. Don't they sound like pleasant people? They must have been from New Jersey. I'm telling you. It's like mean girls on steroids. And then Jesus came along, right? And he doesn't play their game. He doesn't get involved in this game. He claims to be the Son of God, this holy person, right? It's the Son of God, which meant he should have been really committed to avoiding sinners. Like, if he's so good at the law, he should absolutely be staying away from people. But instead, Jesus jumps in the pool with them, right? He's, 
Not only did he not avoid them and not condemn them and not judge them, but he's hanging out with them. He's grabbing coffee with them. He's having fish sticks at their house for dinner, right? He's hanging out with these guys. He's buddies with all these disgusting people who break all sorts of religious rules. How could he possibly be God if he's allowing himself to be contaminated and corrupted by spending time with these people? Wasn't his presence with them just like an affirmation of their lifestyle? Like that's what the Pharisees are thinking. Like, how could he be doing this? This guy is awful. They hated him. They didn't understand him. And I love how Jesus responds to them. He's so cool. Jesus is cool if you don't know this. He tells a story. And it's about them. But they don't know it. <laughs> and it's like in code. And he's not trying to humiliate them. He really isn't. What he's trying to do is trying to have them get the message loud and clear. Right, that's what he's trying to do. So let's read. We're going to read the story. Luke chapter 15. It'll be in verse 1. Okay, so we read uh, the end last week. You heard from my dad. He shared about the story of the, the prodigal son, the lost son. Today we're going to read the beginning. of. There's three stories. Today's the beginning of it. Verse 1, chapter 15. It says, Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Notorious sinners. I mean, these were famous for sinning. I mean, they were like, they had a lot of Twitter followers just because of how much they sinned. And this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Remember, eating a meal with somebody, if you remember, eating a meal was saying, I accept you for who you are. I embrace you. I'm, I'm acknowledging your personhood, your value. It's like when you have lunch with somebody, you're saying, it's okay, I, 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 I value you. Right, that's what he was saying. So Jesus told them this story. Oh, it's going to get good. You know it. Verse 4. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. Because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Let's take a minute and pray. Heavenly Father, help us to understand this story for all that it means. And help us to understand what difference it makes here and now today. 2018, April, in Robbinsville, New Jersey. What difference this story makes. Thank you. You are good. Amen. All right. So we don't hear this story like the people Jesus was talking to because we didn't live in, you know, Palestine, Israel, that you know, time period. We don't we don't live there at that time in history. And it can be dangerous because we can we can tend to emphasize the parts that don't matter and kind of overlook the main point. Right? This is really what can what can happen. Um, so we have to hear it like they heard it. And that's hard to do. So I'm going to try and help us today a little bit. Because um, language matters. So if I said I got a flat yesterday, you know mostly that I'm talking about like a, my, t my car, right? I got a flat. Right? Now, if I said that, like, and I was in London, like, that means I rented an apartment. Okay? Culture matters. It changes the words. It means different things. Um, although I probably would have said it in a British accent, which I'm not going to attempt, so don't worry. Um, but culture changes the word. So we have to learn a few things about shepherding because 
I don't think many of us come from a shepherding culture. And, and actually, it changes the way we hear the story. So villages back then were often composed, there were smaller villages, a couple of houses, you know, smaller like these little communities, and most of the people would probably be related. It would probably be like extended family would kind of compile a village, right? These, all these sorts of extended families. Um, and what would happen is that the sheep in an area would be owned collectively. Like each family would own a couple and they would share. Does that make sense? So like it wouldn't be just like one wealthy guy. He's like, these are my sheep, you're the shepherd. And he would be over here. It'd be like all this, the village would kind of collectively own some of the sheep and they would be, they would pull them together and they would, you know, have them out in the pastures together. And it was the shepherd's job, obviously, to watch over them, to care for them, to, to take care of them. And if a sheep got lost, it was on the shepherd to go find them. It was, it was, it was the shepherd's job to go find them. Uh, it would often take somewhere between 24 and 36 hours to go find these lost sheep because they wouldn't you know, constantly have eyes on all the sheep, but like a sheep would wander off or strike. And it would take about 24 to 36 hours to go find them. And they felt like after 36 to 48 hours, somewhere they didn't find the sheep, Pretty good chance they're not gonna <laughs> gonna be dead. Um, and so what would happen is that even if let's say the shepherd's going out and he finds a sheep, if the sheep is dead and he finds a dead sheep, they would still bring it back, just as proof that they found the sheep, that they went looking and that they found it, and they, they could account for them all. So they wouldn't just like, you know, they weren't stealing them or selling them, but they would actually have proof. Here's the sheep I, I found it. Um, so in this story that Jesus is telling, it's interesting. The shepherd lost the sheep. The responsibility is on him. So this is, again, a language thing. In Arabic, um, which is like Spanish, so some of you who speak Spanish, you know how this works. Um, the grammatical structure is different than in English. So in English, we would say, you know, um, I missed the train. That's how we say it in English. In Spanish, you would say, the train left me. The train was left to me. Like, that's how you actually, like, you know, parse it out. Um, you would say, you know, I dropped the pen. Right? But in, in, in Arabic, it would be the pen went from me. <laughs> um, it's not what we would call the language of accountability. <laughs> right? It would be, yes, it just went from me. You know, the dish, you know, the dish fell from my hand rather than I dropped the dish. Right? It was the dish's fault. It dropped from my hand. Right? That's the way the language would go. Um, so in the, the, the New Living, which we have up here, it's actually not the best translation of the Greek here. Um, because really, a better translation would say not that the sheep was lost, but that you lost one of them. That the shepherd lost. Let's say you had a hundred sheep and you lost one of them. It's on the shepherd. See, it's the shepherd's responsibility to take care of the sheep. And it's saying, it said, you lost one of them. And it's really important to know that because what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, which we don't hear from reading this story, is very simple. These are religious people who think they're so holy, they refuse to be contaminated by sinners. How dare, oh, how dare they get close to me? I don't want to be corrupted by them. And Jesus says this. He says, listen, you were the shepherds and you lost the sheep. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, hey, listen, let me tell you a little story. There were some shepherds and they lost their sheep. See, we hear as the sheep wandered away. And he's saying, no, no, no. They would know the shepherd lost the sheep. And Jesus is saying, not only that, which is harsh, okay, but he says, and I went after the sheep that you lost, and now you're complaining about it. I'm fixing your mistake. You lost sheep, and I'm going looking, and you're asking me why I'm going looking for the sheep that you lost? You should be thanking me. 
See, Jesus equates sinners that they refuse to even acknowledge as humans, as lost sheep, as valuable. He says, listen, you're ignoring them. You're leaving them to die. And I'm going after them. And I'm searching for them. You know how long he's going to search for them? Until I find them. He's determined to find what's lost. There's no time limit. I'm going to look until I find them. I'm going to keep looking. These are helpless sheep. He says perhaps they're foolish, perhaps they're stubborn, right? But they're nonetheless in need of help. He's basically saying what you lose, I find. It's a totally different understanding of the story than what we would think, oh, that's a dumb sheep. Wandered off, right? He's saying, I'm going to find it. And Jesus is just getting started here. Like we think, wow, that's pretty rough. He's, he's really giving it to the Pharisees. No, he's just getting started. Um, and then he says the shepherd carries the sheep home. Right? He will put the sheep, typically the shepherd will put the sheep on the back of his neck, kind of around here. He would tie the feet together around front so he could hold it with one hand. Right? You've seen pictures like this, like shepherds like that. Shepherd would hold the sheep around like that, and then he would have one hand free as he's walking over the rocks and the hills, one hand free to kind of balance himself and steady himself as he climbs all the way home. Let me just say this very simply. Being found is not the hard part. <laughs> Finding a lost sheep is one thing. But getting it home, that's the work. That's the work. See, there's a long journey. Okay, some of you have infants or have had infants, have had kids. They're cute. They're adorable. They're tiny. And they go in this nice little carrier, little seat. And you pick that seat up. And somewhere between here and here, it gains like 50 pounds. It's like a three-month-old that weighs like 200. I'm like, how did... Like, you get... There's like strong, but then there's like mom and dad strong. Right? You know what it's like to carry that car seat from the mall, right, parking lot, from Target parking lot in the store. I mean, by the time you get there, you're like, you know, I think there's like a lean that parents have. It's just whatever side, whatever side you carry the car seat on. Like, that's which way you lean. Right? There's just this sense of, it's heavy. And we're walking on paved surfaces. Imagine what it's like for a shepherd to put a sheep on, on his back. I walk over terrain that is rocky and hilly and through streams and around all sorts of stuff for possibly close to 24 hours for a full day's journey back. The shepherd takes full responsibility for getting that sheep home safely. This was lost, but now I'm going to walk it all back. I'm going to do the hard work of getting it back because the sheep needs help. Jesus will do whatever it takes to bring the lost home. Even if it comes at great personal sacrifice. Let's think about that. I wonder what Jesus is thinking about as he's telling this story to a bunch of Pharisees. I'm telling this story that the shepherd has to sacrifice to bring sheep home. Knowing what's coming for him. Knowing that they don't understand. I wonder if he's thinking, you know, these guys have no idea what I mean. But maybe one day they will. Like, I just wonder what he's thinking. And what stands out most to me is the adjective Jesus uses to describe the attitude of the shepherd who brings the sheep back. Go look again, right? How does he bring the sheep back? What's it say? You guys have the text. All right. It says, 
when he finds it, he will bring it back joyfully. Joyfully. Even though this is costly and painful for the shepherd, this is, in the words of Ronnie Coleman. Anybody know who Ronnie Coleman is? Maybe some of you know this. is Where's Ronnie Coleman? Put him up there. That's Ronnie Coleman. Lightweight, baby. Lightweight. Every time he's lifting. Lightweight, baby. Lightweight. Anybody, does anybody know who this guy is? Okay, we got one. We got two. All right, a couple of you. Oh, three of you. Right, some of you now know who Ronnie Coleman is. That's what he says. Every time he's lifting, this guy's lifting like a thousand pounds on a leg press. Lightweight, baby. Lightweight. Ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. I'm telling you, he's joyfully carrying back. The shepherd is loving this. There's no labor here. Bringing a sheep home is absolute joy. Lightweight, baby. Lightweight. 1884, James Wells, moderator of the United Free Church of Scotland, in his book, The Parables of Jesus, tells the story of a little girl carrying her big baby brother. Seeing her struggling, someone asked her if she wasn't tired. Aren't you tired? And her reply, she says, no, he's not heavy. He's my brother. You may have heard the song made famous by the Hollies and Neil Diamond, he ain't heavy, he's my brother. There's joy for the shepherd in bringing it back because this is not heavy. It's lightweight. I love this. I could do this all day long because this matters to me. I love this. I joyfully carry this sheep back because I found it. It's good. No problems. Lightweight, baby. Lightweight. Neil Diamond sang that song. Do you know there's two types of people in this world? Anybody? Those who like Neil Diamond and those who don't, I don't know. I'll leave that there. Jesus is saying, I love doing this. There is no labor in spending time with people who are broken. You have it all wrong. This is everything I want to be doing. This is why I came. I came to find the lost. I love this. And this story is still not over. When the shepherd gets home, guess what he does? He leaves the 99. <laughs> And he walks, he just, they're still out there. You know, he goes home now with the one. He calls together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. He throws a party. He throws a party. And he invites everyone to be joyful. Come on. He's having a party. He says, not only am I happy about this, now you join me in my happiness about finding the lost sheep. Remember, the village most likely would have had a share in those sheep. They didn't keep track of whose sheep was whose. This was, I have ten, you got ten, we, got, we all got ten, we got a hundred collectively. When it comes back, it could have been mine, it could have been yours. Either way, we're all celebrating. We're having cake. It's a party. This is great. This mattered to all of them. They were not just celebrating his find, but collectively, we rejoice. Because this was our sheep that was brought back to us. Do you see where we're going with this? We're the village. And every time somebody comes in, we celebrate collectively. Because it's not just your sheep, but that's our sheep. Because it's our family that's growing, that's getting better, that's increasing. Jesus longed to invite the Pharisees to, to the joy, to experience the joy he knew. Leave your broken ways of seeing people and let's celebrate that the sheep that was lost is now found. Let's leave where we are and go find them. Again, our church exists for the benefit of our non-members. We're here for the lost. That's why we're here is to go find them. Not here just to sit here and twiddle our thumbs and say, this is great, isn't it great? We got nice, we're found, good for us. 
Sharing faith with people is like sharing a map home. It's not a drudgery. This is joy. This is living. This is why we're here. And listen, not only does that make me happy, Jesus says not only will it make you happy, guess what? It's going to make heaven happy. They're going to throw a party. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. We all get to party because we're all invested in this family business. So question, what about the 99? They're still out in the wilderness. What about them? Did the shepherd just bail on them? Does God care more about the screw-ups, the people who are wandering, than about the people who are just like doing what's right? I mean, are we just, are we nothing? That the shepherd would leave the 99 to go after the one. Let me tell you, that did wonders for the 99. Because every single one of them knows that my shepherd would do the same thing for me. My shepherd would not leave me if I wander off. It's not just about the greater good and the ones. Let me tell you, God cares about every single life. Nobody wanders off and God goes, ah, it's just one. Ah, it's just one. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. All of us matter. And we don't know what happened to the 99, to be honest. It's a story. Jesus told a story. And it doesn't resolve it. It doesn't tell us. Culturally, there could have been other shepherds with the 99. That was possible. One possible. So that when that shepherd went to leave, the heat, there were others that were there watching. Who knew? Um, Some think Jesus used the word 99, righteous, sarcastically. Like he went to follow the one, while those who think they are righteous are over here. He's talking to Pharisees. They're the 99. Saying, I'm going to go follow the ones that are willing, and you guys think you're fine, but you're in the wilderness. You don't even know it. But you think you're fine. You don't think you're lost. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. It's Isaiah chapter 53. We're all lost, and the shepherd comes to find us. So perhaps when he said, listen, there's more joy in heaven over the one who's willing to be found than over 99 who don't think they need to be found. God's not interested in you pretending to be holy or just acting a certain way and saying you're self-righteous. Good for you. But there's no joy in heaven because you follow the rules. There's joy in heaven when the real lost sheep comes home. That's what makes heaven joyful. So what? I love ending with that question. So what? I mean, you're really sheep. Sheep. Like, what are the odds that any of us are going to see a sheep today on the way home? Like, just Hopefully not. But here's the truth. There are still people that are lost. And it's the church's fault. We've lost them. There are still people today that are lost. Far too often people walk away from God because those who claim to be his followers are nothing like him. Very rarely do people walk away from God because of God. That's really, really rare. See, we have been unkind and judgmental and selfish, and because of us, people have walked away, and we've lost the sheep. And it's still our responsibility to go find them. In order to find them, we have to leave where we are and go to where they are. And sometimes what will happen is that people may question our integrity. Why are you spending time with those people? 
Why are you hanging out with them? Do you know who they are? Do you know what they do? I heard fill in the blank. And perhaps those people themselves might ask you, why are you spending time with me? You know I, haven't, I don't believe in God. You know I, you know I, you know I. And that's when you can pause and say, well, can I tell you about my father? See, because the heart of my father is for every one. Not everyone, one word, but separate. Here we go, ready? The heart of my father is for every one. It's different. It's different. It's, it's for the one. Some might leave you to suffer your fate out there and say, hey, whatever, you don't want to believe that's on you. But not me. I'm going to chase after you like my God chases after you. Right? He's not going to leave the one. I'm going to go after the one, relentless for the one, to look for you, to find you, to carry you home, and then to celebrate you. We're part of a community that celebrates every rescued and changed life together. We love parties. We like to party here. Taco parties, you name it. Cake parties, we'll do any kind of parties. Pizza parties, doesn't matter. Church is a search and rescue squad. And we go find because you know why? We used to be the ones who were lost. But now. I used to be alone. I used to be confused. I used to be lost in this world. I didn't know who I was or why I was or what I was supposed to do. But one day, the shepherd found me and he picked me up. I didn't know where to go from there and he carried me home. And the next thing I knew, they were celebrating and throwing a party because I was there. And I found out that there was something more. And now I get to celebrate with others because I know what's at stake. Because here's the reality. If we don't go find the sheep, they don't come home. They're lost. And there's a lot of things out there that intend to do them harm. As long as there are people that don't know who the shepherd is, we have work to do. Very simply. So, perhaps you're here today. And despite the fact that you're at a church service in a church building, surrounded by church people, you would say, I am lost. I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing here. I don't even know how I got here. Can I just tell you, the heart of the Father is to find you. In one way or another, I don't know how it happened, but he carried you here today. You are here because the Father carried you here. You don't know how you walked in this room. Maybe you think it was somebody else, but I'm telling you God was behind it, carrying you all the way here today to let you hear this, that He wants to find you and bring you home and celebrate you. Nikki can come on up as we're going to close in just a few minutes. In a moment, I'm going to pray. We're all going to pray. And I want to give you an opportunity at that time when we pray just to raise your hand if you'd like. No pressure. But just to acknowledge that I am lost and I want to be found. Some of you know that the only reason you're here today has to be because God carried you. Because you wouldn't have come on your own. And He just wants to bring you home. And I'm telling you, I'm on the edge of my seat because I like parties and I can't wait to celebrate. And if you're already home, you're on the edge of your seat with me. Ready to celebrate. 
praying, God, God, let's, I want more parties, God. I want to make heaven throw a party. So let's just take a moment and pray right now. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you that you do not leave even one of us to wander in the wilderness. Or you are the shepherd who will leave everything else just to come after one. Or you thought one was worth your time to come after. And you put no time limit on it. You will search until you find. Lord, you continue to pursue us. And perhaps there are people here today and you have been pursuing them for years. For years and years and they have just wandered and wandered and wandered. Today is a brand new day. Perhaps today is the day that we're going to stop running. We're going to turn around. We're going to recognize your face. Say, that's my shepherd. It's the one who takes care of me. It's the one who loves me like nobody else will. It's the only one who's actually chasing me down. We're going to stay, God. Carry me home. Can't get there on my own. Never could. God, carry me home. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand and say, God, would you just carry me home today? God, just carry me home today. God, you see our hands. Shepherd, come. We are here. It's not about religious activity. It's not about impressing you. It's just about the willingness to let you find us. To acknowledge that we are lost and we need to be found. And God, today, right now, heaven is throwing a party right now. They're cranking up the music. The dance conga line is starting, Lord, because there are new sheep coming home. Because you are doing something new in us. But we are not the same as we were. Because now we are in your hands and that changes everything. In a moment, it changes everything. Because we went from being on our own to now the shepherd carrying us where we need to be. God, you are so good. We thank you. We love you. If you're here today and you know your home, perhaps you've been too comfortable at home, haven't really been looking for anybody who's lost to bring them home to. You just want to commit yourself. Say, God, send me out to find. I don't want to leave them, God. I want to go look. I want to go find. If that's you today, would you just raise your hand and say, God, help me to be a finder. God, help me to be a finder today. Would you just raise your hand and say, God, I want to, I want to join the team. Heavenly Father, you see our hands today. Lord, we are acknowledging we want to enlist. Give us the vision, the courage, Lord. Help us not to shy away and avoid people because they're messy and dirty. Because we, don't, we, we disagree with the way they live. Lord, let us see them the way you saw us when we were lost. 
with compassion. Let us go joyfully. Bring them back. Give us the strength we need, the wisdom we need to find. And then, Lord, the strength to bring them home. Because it's not easy. Lord, it's possible because with our God, anything is possible. You give us what we need. The heart of our Father is for everyone. Let us have that same heart. Thank you for loving us like you do. You are so good. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreecc.com.